a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Alpine Stars Protects on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast. This is the Glendale Phoenix Supercross Review Podcast. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. It's, uh, it was a great night in Phoenix and uh, lots to talk about, or Glendale. Lots to talk about, including Nets and Barsha and, uh, and Tomac and so much more. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast. This is the Glendale Supercross Review Podcast. Lots to talk about when it comes to Glendale. Some great racing. Eli Tomac, Aaron Plessinger, uh, Justin Barsha, the Nets, and, uh, yeah, much more. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. FlyRacing.com. Please check him out. Weston Pike is absolutely killing it right now, and uh, he is wearing Fly Racing. And uh, so please get it. Check FlyRacing.com. The F2 carbon helmet that he runs uh, each and every Saturday night is the exact same one that you can buy from FlyRacing.com with his uh, custom paint job on it as well. Uh, thanks to Pike for rock, rock and Fly, and thanks to you people for checking out FlyRacing.com. Also, too, the folks at A-Stars, um, you know what uh, they can do for boots, uh, but also, to the A4 chest protector. It's a fundamental statement. The company is responsible for the continued progression of cutting-edge tech and industry-leading safety in motorsport protection equipment. The A4 chest pro combines performance and protection into a lightweight chest and back protector that offers a modular design that can be used with their bionic neck support system. Thanks to A-Star guys also to the MXST is a new tire coming out from Maxxis, developed by the King, Jeremy McGrath. Uh, soon it will be available for you. One of the world's most trusted tire brands, Maxxis Tires delivers high-quality tire products that perform no matter the terrain or conditions or whatever. Again, just ask Jeremy McGrath, the MXST coming out soon. Also to subscribe to RacerX online, or RacerX magazine. Much more stories than you can just get online. Uh, Racer X Magazine sub is uh, the way to go. There's some real cool features in there. Coming up shortly, a feature on each brand's start to the Supercross season that everybody on staff kind of took a brand and worked with it. And it's really interesting. You will not find it online. So just subscribe or we're going to stop doing these podcasts forever. Ever and ever. Um, so, um, again, uh, I'm Steve Mathis. With me on the line to uh, talk Glendale. The Voice of American Motocross, the voice of GNCC, the voice of Flat Track, Jason Wygant. Yeah! What's up, Weege? Man, this is an awesome weekend. I was exceptionally, I feel like this is a model race. Um, yes. I know it wasn't a triple crown. We like the triple crown. But as far as regular racing goes, being in the track and the action that we had, uh, it's good weather, it's a cool place to be, cool stadium. Uh, I had a lot of fun. I think it was a, this is turning into one of the better races of the year, this Glendale event. I like it. Yeah, last year was great, too. Uh, as yep. well, and provided mm -hmm. fireworks afterwards with, with Chad Reed uh, on the press conference and 
Tomac killed everybody, and he did it again. Well, I didn't kill everybody this year, but he won again. Good track, good dirt, everything. Uh, also to discuss this, uh, a German Supercross champion as well as a Montreal Supercross champion, Jason Thomas. What's up, JT? Not too much. I was just waiting for you to stop talking. Your uh, your first first monologue there was just incredibly long. Okay, well, sorry. You're like um, podium level no with the sponsors at this point. Yeah, no, I, I can keep adding more. You and you and Marvin, you and Marvin should have a uh, a battle. <laughs> you should battle your hotel phone right now because I don't know what was happening with that. <laughs> I already lost. I lost I, that battle. I, 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 I no one to throw in the towel. We kept it in the very beginning, so people were wondering what's going on at the very beginning of the show. That is what we're going to keep it in. JT's phone. JT's phone. It sounded like Weech. It sounded like Liam Neeson busted in. Yes, I thought you were abducted. I thought you were abducted. Like, I, scream as much description of the criminals as you can before they grab the phone. I've never heard a phone. Dis- I have a very particular set of skills. I, I, I've never heard a phone disconnect like that ever. I've just I, usually they just go click. They normally Hello, just they click click. They don't go <laughs> and then click. So. <laughs> Anyways, all right. So it wouldn't be this podcast if we didn't have issues with the phones. So, um, all right, let's uh, let's get into. Oh well, first of all, Wygant, subscribe to Racer X Magazine, right? Yeah, we got good stuff. We still get your French story. We got my Trey Kennard story. Um, all kinds of stuff that you cannot get anywhere else. So please subscribe now. It costs what? You can get the digital thing for nine dollars and ninety eight cents a year. Ten bucks. I mean, that's a month of lunch for me, but still. Yeah, really, right? <laughs> Ten dollars a, a year. Um, yeah, just do it, people. So, otherwise, unless we're going to stop doing these podcasts, we'll stop forever, yep. and that'll be it. So, you'd only have yourself to blame. Um, do we want to start with the track, or do we want to start with the nets? Where do we want to start? Where do you want to start? I think is a better question. So, the Steve Mathis Memorial Nets that I've been screaming about for forever. They're in Supercross now. They're here. It's fantastic. They're glorious. We have yet we we put heavy odds on A Ray being the first one to hit them. Um, and uh, he has not done it yet. But Colt Neck, uh, uh, appropriately enough, a Pulpamex sponsored rider. We gave him money to go do an enduro cross uh, earlier in the year. So um, he's he's been on the Pulp Show. He, he's a Pulp Pulpamex guy. Colt Neck uh, got jiggy in the rhythm section and flew off the track and got collected in the net. And I, why can't I've never seen anything more beautiful than that? It wasn't just um, <clears throat> the hitting of the net that was beautiful. The reaction. I mean, the whole press box looked to you. <laughs> they did. And then the Twitter was like, the Twitter sphere was like, it was probably trending. It's probably trending. We know Twitter isn't as popular as it once was, so it probably doesn't take as much to be considered on the trending list. You were just getting bombarded from oh. all directions. The only thing I can feel that ever was similar to this was the last lap of the Atlanta Supercross a few years ago, and Marty was in the lead and finally about to take his first ever professional race win and he almost went over the bars with two turns to go and everyone was staring at you <laughs> but the only thing i've ever seen that matched it was really cold neck his his health there were zero concerns about that yeah this was all about you yeah yeah it was uh it was great and i guess lurch the floor announcer we couldn't hear him but i guess he gave myself and wygant credit jt he gave wygant credit <laughs> so it was okay because i got some of it but but you know what the funny thing is about those nets is that people are like, oh, Mathis, you know, you saved his life. You, you saved him and whatever. 
uh, I, I didn't care about the safety. My idea was not for safety. It really wasn't. My idea for the Nets was to create better racing by bringing the bull turns back. I'll take the credit for the safety of the riders. Yes, I was caring so much about the safety, but I really wasn't, JT. I was just caring about bull berms to get better racing. But, hey, I'll take it. But that was really what my main thing was. The ironic thing is that the nets were to keep people from jumping into the stands. Oh, uh, Matt Gerke. And, you know, that's why we lost Bullworms for the last 12 or 13 years. And then Colt Neck ends up hitting a net that really had nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. It, it saved him. It saved him absolutely, which is great. But all he would have done is fly onto the flat concrete. And he would have hurt himself, so let's not discount that. But the original problem was. The, the spectators in the stands, and this was yeah. <laughs> this was not even this didn't have anything to do with that. No, I know, right? But and, and why get you you pointed out that uh, upon multiple viewings of the video, like it it probably was better than hitting the concrete, like JT said, but still stopped them rather abruptly. It still kind of. I think it, I think it was worse. Yeah, I think it was less safe. Like no. he would have just tumbled. He would have tumbled over the berm and rolled down it. But instead, his visor and chin bar and then neck gets just ripped back. By the net. I think the net just made him get hurt. No, he would have been fine. I don't no, think so. Man. I don't agree. Think about flying onto concrete. Like, that, that's not going to go well. I don't think he was going to go to the concrete. I think he was going to land on the backside of the berm. On what? The backside of the on berm. His motorcycle? <laughs> on his motorcycle. Dude, he was. He basically flopped over it. It wasn't like he launched. I think he would have rolled well, over the side of it. You and, can't fly into the net halfway up it if you don't fly off the berm, correct? Uh, it wasn't halfway up. It looked like he was heading downwards, and the net caught him as he was on a downward trajectory already. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's your opinion uh, that he was going to surf down the backside of the berm perfectly? Yeah, the tough block, the top of the berm, is higher than the lower part of the net. He was falling over downwards, and then the net caught him. I uh, All I know is that for 2018, I know what my biggest video view will be on Instagram. Oh, yeah. I, know, I already know. It's... 40,000 views already or something. So, but uh, you're right, JT. We've yet, we have yet to see we've yet to see it used, you know, to where to put a bullpen where maybe one what shouldn't it be. We've yet to see that. Yeah, they've been like uh, at Anaheim it was used um, I think possibly somebody could have gotten into the stands, but it will be. I mean, it's yeah. just a matter of time. Yeah. I I'm going to disagree with Weege and I think he came out the best scenario. I don't think he would have landed on the berm. I think he would have landed on concrete with some sort of belly flop, and I don't think it would have gone well. Well, it was fantastic. Cold neck. First into the nets, and his bike was caught there. And Oh, good. It was glorious. It was glorious. The nets saved a man. Uh, and that's all I really wanted, people. I just I really cared about the safety of the riders. So, Oh, man. Um <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Well, there was a historic. Let's just go straight to the other historic moment for you this weekend. At the end of the night, the new Justin Barsha. <laughs> the new. He 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 said he saw me at Anaheim. Well, I was taken. I don't know. But Daniel Blair took a photo of me with me because I was at the press conference, uh, which I don't always go to, and I kind of ranted on Monday Night Show about them. But I decided to go to it because uh, it had some interesting storylines that I thought I could could get. So I went. And uh, Daniel Burt took a photo of me, and then somehow LeBig from LeBig USA, he's like, I want a photo. And I'm like, uh, okay. So we're buddies, so he's taking a photo with me. And Barsha walks up, and I kind of I move away because I'm like, well, he, he doesn't know it's me, or he doesn't want a photo with me. And he's like, no, 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 you get in here. And I'm like, 
Okay, are you going to stab me as soon as I face the camera? Or? And uh, uh, he said, I, I saw you at Anaheim 1. I've, I've been meaning to talk to you, and we've got to let bygones be bygones. And I'm just like, what? And then why again? It's about when you walked up, and you're like, is this happening? <laughs> and, and, yes. Yeah. So. But to be fair, I did say, please tell the public that I did say, look, honestly, I've been talking more shit on you than him. You did. You did say that. <laughs> I did say that. Uh, and he goes, I know. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. Well, he basically uh, said he knows that everyone has been because he's been terrible for three years. you know what? what I mean, maybe let's start with that before we go to Tomac. So, Barsha is, uh, we're friends. He said uh, we can talk. He said he'll come on the Pulp Show. Um, and he's, he's riding great. He's seven points out of the lead. He almost won this damn race late in the race. He was catching Tomac. And he seems humbled. He made a joke about how everyone in the press conference, he said everybody, it's, he's tried to, you know, everybody's not liked him at one point or another. Uh, he was li- listing down the guys, JT, that have beefs with him in the past. And then he was like, well, I guess pretty much everybody. Um, so, I don't know, like... JT, if he's getting seventh, is this the same guy? Well, I mean, his results are definitely improving his mood. I don't think there's, you no, know, that's know. just yeah. the nature of racing. No, I yeah, know. So, I, that's just how it goes. But do you think to the whole experience, and if he was just getting sixth and sevenths, he would be sort of this humble, this this nice, this, um, you know, the change guy a little bit? Um, yeah, it's, it's difficult to say. It seemed like in the off season, even he was pretty humble. He just didn't have the results to kind of back it up. Yeah. Um, yeah, he didn't interview, he didn't didn't interview Eric Johnson. Sorry to interrupt you. He didn't interview Eric Johnson that I thought was pretty gnarly for him to lay it out there. Talking about how nobody wanted him, you know? Yeah. I I think that was a pretty big wake up call. You know, you got to look at this guy's career. He came in, uh, as the next big thing. And I remember introducing him to my dad and, uh, before the 2008 season, my dad didn't know who he was, and I said, "Hey, this is Justin Barsha. He's uh, he's going to be the next guy. Like he's just a kid right now, but I, you know, he will be the next guy." And uh, actually, that was yeah, going into yeah, would have been 2008. Yeah. Um, but just you know, for him, he's never known any different. I mean, he came in, he rode for Geico Honda right away. Uh, it was Factory Connection on, I guess, back then maybe. Um, but he won right away. I mean, he was winning races, and he was the man. And then he goes directly to factory Honda, and he wins his first year on 450 after two, you know, uh, Supercross titles, or at least one. Um, I I can't remember now, but he's never really not been the guy. You know, he goes to – he switches teams to JGR, and he's making, like, crazy money over there. Uh, So to have no ride – and to have to buy your own bike and show up, I can't see how that wouldn't be humbling. Yeah. And it's awesome that he's doing well, but to just think that that wouldn't have some profound effect on him yeah. mentally and have to basically rethink everything you've ever looked at or every perspective you've ever had, I well, think would be naive. Weed, you, you know him better than most. How much would he have to rethink his position on Steve Mathis to, for, for him to come up, do what he did? That's yeah, a lot yeah, of rethinking. That, it said a lot. I, I, I mean, we can laugh and just look at it as an individual thing, how it affects you or your show or these podcasts and Barsha. It was great to see, but honestly, it's not just about you and, and Barsha. It really indicated to me that there is a real tangible difference in how he's trying to go about his business. It's easy for all the riders or heck, at the beginning of any season, to say, I'm better than ever, I've changed things, I'm a new person, they all say that. Barsha's riding is obviously way better, so that proves something. But the fact that he told you that he was actually trying to find you at Anaheim 1, 
to make amends, it makes me think that he's like, look, everything I was doing wasn't working, so I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going bizarro world. If I was mean, I'm going to be nice. If I was running into people on the track, I'm going to go out of my way to not do it. That meant a lot to me as far as how he's changed things. And let's be honest, when he wasn't getting results, there weren't many people in the industry that had this dude's back. Like, he was just out. And I've got to think that Barsha, who's always kind of done his own thing, hated the competition, he didn't have a lot of friends, I think, to get him when he needed help. So maybe that was a little bit of an eye-opener for him as well. And he's like, i got to conduct myself uh, differently here. So that actually means a lot more than just you and him patching it up. It really shows what uh, personality change he's had. So he shouldn't have just stayed on a privateer Honda? <laughs> Look, why don't you just take your Justin Hill Suzuki 250 prediction <laughs> and just leave it there? <laughs> just drop it at the door. Um, yeah, I think you're good. Right. I think you're good. Um, no, hey, it's JT. It's the surprise of the Supercross season so far, without a doubt. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he, three out of four podiums is no joke. Uh, I, you would have got you got some serious odds in Vegas if uh, you could put some money on that. I mean, nobody saw this coming. I mean, from every race we've seen. Uh, Supercross, of course, but then you go to to the USGP in Jacksonville, where I'm actually at today. Um, yeah, by the way, we, know, should, we should tell people this is in case the voices sound a bit different. This is the third time we've tried to do this review pod, <laughs> so this is this is the third time. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You you look at his race here in Jacksonville, and he kind of came in with a lot to prove, and he really needed to fight for a job, and he really had nothing. And then he goes to the Monster Cup, and we were all kind of wondering what he was going to bring on a new bike and a new attitude, and it really wasn't much of anything different as well. Um, so to see this out of nowhere back on Yamaha, which we all kind of rolled our eyes at, yeah. is, it's shocking. It really is. Dude, he was catching Tomac very, very quickly. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yes. Uh, I think he wins one before the end of the year. You, you two guys agree? After that ride, it'd be crazy to yeah. say no. So it's it's hard to it's hard to think he won't. So that would make it five years between wins. Correct, 2013. Yeah, he won in 13, right? Yeah, I don't win any 14. No, okay. I don't think so. No, no. so no. okay, that's remarkable, right there. If he pulls it off, five years between wins. You know, you just don't see that happening. So no, um, it was it was a great ride by him, and uh, yeah. Wow. So, I mean, do we, what do we attribute? What do we attribute him catching Eli? Because I to me, it looked like Eli got a little winded. Um, he he stopped doing some of the rhythms he was doing. I don't know if it was complacency or if it was to me, it looked like he was a little winded. Uh, he even mentioned as much on the podium, saying he the, the race pace was just incredible on that track, as difficult as that track was. Um, but I mean, he definitely caught him. Whatever the reason is, I don't know, but he was definitely catching him. Um. Yeah, Eli looked looked like he was. Uh, I mean, it's a. It was such a tough, gnarly track. It was a great track. Yeah. You know, so it was really taxing. I, oh. I talked to a few guys today uh, for an article I'm writing just about that and how diff, how much more difficult it is cardiovascularly and just concentration wise when the track is that difficult. It, it takes a huge toll compared to, you know, a really easy track, yeah. say, like, n too. It looked to me, I had heard from some people, too, that Eli's rear tire kind of went away on him, too. Loss of traction a little bit. A la, a la Phoenix 2014 for uh, Villapoto. Oh, yeah? Transfer power. Yeah, yeah transfer power. Um, 
So, yeah, he regrouped, though. Eli regrouped in about, I want to say, three or four laps from the end. He went the fastest guy on the track at some point. Yep. Um, so he regrouped, and, man, it was uh, it was a great – it was a great – just just take that track and every yep. football stadium we have. Build that. There you go. The whoops – That was the best track we've had in years. Oh, the whoops were perfect. They were, they were not that gnarly. They were long, tough. They stayed the same shape for the most part. I mean, that is just everything you want in a, in a whoop section and a track and everything. It's fantastic. It's the same thing at this place last year. That's what I'm saying. This is becoming a great event. Last year's track was awesome. You know, I was talking to somebody who talks to somebody, and they told me that a lot of the issues with tracks has to do with operators of the equipment. And sometimes they don't have good operators. Some guys, guys don't know how to build the whoops as good as they could. So, you know, I have same. a question. So just get that guy. Get the Glendale guy. <laughs> I have a question for you. Is it possible or conceivable that with, given the landscape of going into Anaheim 2 with Marvin and Eli and Dino, not, so much, not as much Dino, but still a little bit, having three stars of the sport injured and really on the fence whether they can race. Nobody, I don't think anybody knew, including them, whether they could race Anaheim 2 or not really with any any real influence on the results. <clears throat> Do you think it's possible that the track was really easy? They cut the whoops down. Obviously, they cut the whoops down from Friday. We know that for a fact. But do you think they make the track easy to try to get those guys in the race and be relevant for the for the long haul? We talked about this on our Monday Pulp Show when Weege was in studio, and Weege, you said, yeah, so what if they did? <laughs> Actually, you know, I mean, uh, that conspiracy theory, I was so – I didn't even realize what you meant. I definitely heard that – theory, JT. I have no idea if it's mm-hmm. true. I thought it just meant a bunch of guys got hurt, and they're like, we need to stop having guys crash and get hurt. But the theory is that, no, these guys that were already hurt, they wanted them to be able to salvage some points. Yeah. That's, yeah. I would not be surprised, honestly. Yeah, I wouldn't. Why not? We'll, we'll never know, but I would not no. be surprised either. Yeah. And is that a bad thing? Well, I, I, I thought I, I was saying, if they build the tracks to not injure guys, I just can't see how you can really get angry over that. But to say two specific riders we want to succeed, this would, I could see how that's maybe a Pandora's box. Well, one of my theories was Amateur Day, but throw that out the window because Glendale had Amateur Day too, and that track was gnarly. So No, I didn't. Yeah. I don't think it affected Amateur Day. I, I, do think, I do think there was something to that, though. I mean, as a, as a business owner, when it is your – in everyone's best interest, other than maybe Jason Anderson uh, and Ken Roxon, to have those guys in the series for the long haul and be relevant in a points chase. And you need those guys in the race. Because let's, let's be honest, if they both can't race Anaheim 2 again, I don't know if, if, if it's that bad. I don't know if, uh, if they stick around. Like if they need surgery, and we don't really know, if either of these guys really need surgery at some point in the future to be 100%. Um, maybe they just say, you know what, I'm going to do this now, and I'm going to come back for outdoors, losing another 26 points. Um, um, well, so I, I don't know. And they don't know that either going in. They're yeah. guessing as to these guys' health, but I could totally see that. I, I, I think it would make logical sense well, to do something to up the chances of those guys racing. I'm with you, but seven days later they build this gnarly track? <laughs> well, I think I'm, they I'm with you. that they I'm with could you. race. Oh, okay, but, they, yeah. you know, the, the concept well, was proved they can get out there and race. I mean, Eli won the damn race, and then well, Marvin just couldn't hold on in the last one. <clears throat> but I think I think the real telling, the, you know, what told the, told the tale of that was cutting the whoops down. I don't see any other possible logical reason 
that they would go in and cut the whoops down from Friday to Saturday without that being some somehow in the picture. But I don't why see why build them big in the first place on Friday? Well, I don't, you know. Wouldn't knows, that directive have come down on Wednesday? Point. Hey, guys, on Wednesday, Thursday, hey, guys, we we got to make these things easy. You know? Well, you don't know who who weighed in on Friday after they saw the whoops. You know that right. that that can all be a part of that. It's like, hey, man, uh, somebody you know in a green shirt or an or, or an orange shirt, I would say most likely uh, placed a you know well thought out phone call. To, hey, do you guys want these guys in the race? You might want to rethink those whoops because our guys aren't strong enough to handle those right now. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Uh, so Tomac won again, two in a row, thirty six points. Looking good for Eli. Are you, that's where you're going with now? Oh, he's got an absolute shot at this. Huge shot at this. Oh, my no, God. I'm not. I'm not. It's awesome, though. I talked to him after the race, and he said, uh, yep, he's got no margin of error at all. Uh, he has to just keep going and uh, see what happens. And, and that's it. And, and he knows that it, he seemed like he knew, obviously, that you know his, his chances, he can't make another mistake. Um, but, yeah, he wrote, he wrote fantastic. But talking about the... The points leader, Anderson, Weege, that's about a weird of a race for a red plate holder I don't think I've ever seen. Like a guy who has the red plate, like in the 450 class. You're like, what? He was up front. He went back to like ninth. Didn't look at all like himself. Looked like it was going to be just terrible. And then caught fire and got up to fourth. It was very, very strange. Absolutely, and I think it just illustrates that. This is no disrespect to Anderson or anyone else in this field. It's just more we we've come to expect what shouldn't be expected at this level of sports which is a guy's awesome every single time and doesn't even struggle you and I even talked to Alden Baker about that a bit where you know he claims RC had off days and I'm like but well, we didn't see that we just saw 24 moto wins seemed like it was the same every time so these guys are mortal. You know, you get so used to Dungey's robotic consistency or RV winning four titles in a row or Stu being the fastest guy every single week for like seven years. Uh, they can have – and honestly, I don't think there was much to it. I think he just messed up a couple corners a few times. that He got blown by by Grant and Brayton in the whoops, but if you actually go back and watch that, he actually just screwed up the corner. So maybe it's partially the track. You make two or three mistakes at the wrong time. Well, you um, he made, you go backwards. He made a mistake at the beginning of the long rhythm before the whoops, and that's that's curtains, right? Which is why the track was great. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't. I mean, the, the fact that he eventually went from I think eighth to fourth shows that he was still riding well. He was good in practice, good in the heat, but it was like he had maybe two or three or four, say maybe major mistakes. It isn't what you're used to. You didn't see that at a Dunger Villapoto, but maybe that's what we're in for this year. No one's going to be quite that robotic. Yeah, no, I uh, I agree. It was I, again maybe JT maybe it's an all timer season. You know what I mean? Because of a guy like that with the red plate doing that. Maybe this is gonna maybe this is set up to be 1990 all over again. Yeah, I think he just got a little flustered there, and being flustered with the points lead is a little different than being flustered and in fourth or fifth place in points and really no pressure on you. So. That'll be the key. You know, we've, we were obviously in disagreement over whether Eli can get back in this or not, but we both know that if it's possible that you're, he's going to need help and he's going to need lights like, or nights like that, uh, I don't think, you know, it's going to be in a situation where Eli just wins everything in Anderson's second and we'll just have a math equation. You know, it's going to, Eli's going to need to be basically perfect and he's going to need Anderson when he makes a mistake like that to not be able to 
do exactly like you said, like Bill Poder Dungey, and just you know put kind of push the demons out of their head. Because I think that's what happens. I think you make a mistake, and then that compounds into another mistake, and you start thinking way too much, you know, quote-unquote thinking way too much uh, about what's going on and the points and, and, you know, is this all is this thing going to go down the drain on me? Or, you know, I think all those thoughts creep into his head where in this state, on this stage in the 450 class, I don't think he's really ever had to deal with that before. Uh, Brayton, Weege, go ahead. Go ahead. If this were only a triple crown race, a heat race, <laughs> it would have been Dude. something. It would have counted. It would have been something. Tomac, oh, it was glorious. Ro- Tomac, Roxon, and uh, Barsha were in that heat race. Started right behind him. Yep. Just walked away. <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Ah, oh, it was. You I can mean, only hope to contain it. You can't stop it. Good track for Justin, and uh, and in the main event, he said he didn't like his result as much, but. Between Anderson getting fourth and Webb in eighth, any one of those spots could have been different. It was battle royale for for the last ten minutes with those guys. And Brayton ended up on the short end of the stick, and Seeley was up there too. He was coming from way back, and so yeah, it was, Brayton's a cool story, man. This is this is neat. Uh, how old is he, Weech? How old is Brayton? He's thirty-two now. Yeah, it's a real cool story, man. He rode rode well. Look at all the bikes. Look at all his bike. Nothing against the MCR guys; they do a good job. But his bike compared to all the bikes around him, you know. So that's awesome. Great job for Brayton. And JT Pike was going for it early in the main. Going for it. Yeah, I talked to him a little bit today, and uh, he was kind of one of my sort. He was one of my sources as far as. The track really taking a lot out of everybody. Um, you know, the the pace was so intense at the beginning, and he was moving forward. And uh, I think everybody kind of had to check themselves at some point in that main event and take a deep breath and just try to find rhythm because, as you said, not only was he going for it, but there was a whole crew of guys behind them, which I'm sure you're getting to, that it was like a hornet's nest back there. And uh, I bet I bet those are the highest heart rates of, of the year thus far was uh, was during those main events on Saturday. The triple off the table, Pike was clipping it, and he Every kept time. doing it. And the strength that was probably needed to, to, to fight through that, and then he couldn't nail the next triple. He was yeah, probably, that was what was killing him. He yeah, was probably so angry. He was probably so angry. And well, I'll tell you what, what he was, and, and I'm not trying to say, like, I know how to do this, but what was he, what he was missing, he wasn't jumping far enough onto the tabletop. Yeah. So he wasn't getting that pop off of it. Like you could see the other guys, yep. they were doing everything they could do to jump right to the face, and then they would pop off of it and get over it. And he seemed like he was landing two or three feet shorter than them, and then he wasn't getting that compression, and then he was just kind of clipping the next one, as you said. Oh, it it was... made all the difference. I mean, two or three feet made all the difference. Oh, boy. And But, uh, but uh, a, a weaker guy um, might stop doing it. Because it was gonna gonna end badly. Oh, yeah, that, I, yeah, that's his, been his mo since the beginning, right? He just bulldozes through everything. Oh boy, uh, I talked to Roxon about that jump before the uh, opening ceremonies, and I'm like, dude, that's gnarly. And he's like, there's like three guys doing it in practice: Baggett, Roxon, and Seely. And I'm like, that's and pretty. And Brayton did it too in practice. I said, yeah. uh, that's pretty gnarly. He's like, it's not that bad, but he's like, the next one you got to get in that pocket because it, it's a abrupt takeoff. And he's like, you got to land far, far enough on the tabletop. And I'm like, all you, you, what you're describing, Kenny, sounds really bad. 
Sounds really gnarly. <laughs> the way he was going about it, it's not that bad. And then he described for five minutes about how bad it could have been, you know? Yeah, I, you know, the key to the whole thing was landing in the pocket, just like you said. And yep. I think that was the difficulty is it's it's hard enough to jump onto it. You're tripling out onto a tabletop coming out of a whoop section on a out of a berm. Like, that's not easy. And then it's not only that, but you have to jump further than the landing and land right before this next takeoff and this little perfect window and then land wide open and then pop off of that to jump another 50 feet over a five-foot tall jump that if you come up a little bit shorter, you know, a little bit shorter than Weston does, you're going to oh, go boy. over the bars. Oh, like, boy. It's just, yeah. The, 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 the landing was just taller than the takeoff, maybe. Yep. <laughs> it was pretty, yep. pretty close. Um, hey, so uh, Marvin's, Marvin got fifth, salvaged it. JT, I didn't think he was as bad in the whoops as, as at times he wasn't good, but most no, most times he was passable. He was he wasn't elite. He's okay, you know. He he's okay, but I think him him there, you know, his weakness in the whoops was the difference between fourth and fifth. Absolutely, I one hundred percent believe that he would have beat Anderson if he was as good as Anderson or better in the whoops. And Anderson wasn't good either. Um, so yeah, it wasn't god awful right but i just think it shed more light on it's a weakness for him it's a, it's not something he's good at and if he can't find a rhythm through them he suffers and a fifth place even with the shoulder injury is not what he needs if he wants any chance of being a you know a realistic contender here you see dv's tweet where he said i'm scratching my head and it was bowers going mock five by marvin in the whoops yeah i mean that's <laughs> it's something that's going on and i don't think you know, we, we've obviously talked about this a ton on the Pulp Show, but as Marvin has become more and more relevant as a championship contender, you know, I think people are just seeing it more because he's on TV more and they're paying attention to him more. Yeah. But it's been going on for a long time. Uh, Webb, uh, Weege, we were making comments after his heat race like, that's terrible. That was god-awful. And he admitted it in the press comments after. Yeah, he said he had to laugh it off. I mean, he could not catch Freeze. He couldn't. It was like three laps of like being five bike lengths behind Freezy. This isn't like, oh, well, Freezy's just holding him up. No, he couldn't get to him. And then he got zapped by, what, three or four guys? Yeah. Went by him. Oh, yeah, the Baggett Steely, they went down on the first turn of the heat. Came from last to next to last to catch Webb and pass him in a heat. But then the main event was actually pretty good for, for how he's been going. Um, and, yeah, I talked to him in the press conference as well, and – this is this weird thing. Okay, he apparently, you know, had some sort of an ankle injury and lost like two weeks of the off season. He didn't get on the bike until November before that. So his off season was not terrible, but it was a little bit compromised. But of course, no one wants to make excuses. They don't want to let anybody know this. So when you see a little bravado from Webb, you know, that heat race look back with Roxon, it doesn't indicate at all that mm, maybe we our expectations need to be lowered for the first month or so of the season. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree. Yeah. 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 So now it's like, oh, okay. He he kind of knew coming in that he wasn't quite where he wanted to be. And because of that, an eighth place by round four isn't the worst thing in the world. But we didn't know any of this. We just thought, yeah. well, it looks like he's ready to come out on fire, and he has not. Yep. Yep. Um, but uh, props for coming to the press conference. He was okay with his main event. He came up from 11th to 8th. And like yeah. we said, he could have gotten fourth, you know, if there was some luck because – he was in that whole mix with all those dudes. It was uh, it was nuts. And again, what a track! We just saw just great track. Um, Mookie was okay. I thought it'd be better. 
a little bit. You two guys? Oh, but what about that heat race? Oh, that's heat race. He was back. It was back. He was back. Um, what else? Uh, bagging out a bad night, JT. Not not great. Uh, just the starts. I yep. mean, the the riding was good. He was uh, the first one to do that jump we talked about. I know he was really confident, but he <clears throat> he crashed on the start of the heat. Just got tangled up, and then uh, so he barely got in out of the heat. He was battling with Webb and those guys for the last couple spots. And then the main event, he was on the very inside, and, you know, I was talking to the, the people around me, and I uh, said, this is either going to go really, really good, he's going he's gonna to be top three, or he's going to be last. Because on that very inside, there just was no middle ground. And he got a pretty good jump, and then he kind of got squeezed out by somebody to his right, and then that was all she wrote, and he ended up dead last. So uh, two bad starts and bad result, but... I don't think it told the whole, t- whole told the whole tale as far as him riding, but on paper that's what it was. And Dino has got to be looking at the shoulder injuries that he suffered at A one. He's got to be looking at the shoulder injuries like Tomek and Muskin, and he's got to be really frustrated right now. Uh, I saw his Instagram; he was out riding on a Sunday. So I don't know. I don't know what if it's like. I wouldn't think he'd be riding on a Sunday if his shoulder was the issue, right? I mean, I'm sure it's a, not 100, percent but. You got to think he was. It was more than just a shoulder while he was out there on a Sunday riding, because no rest at all. Well, I think too. If, if the shoulder isn't painful or if it's not holding him back, he missed a lot of riding. So he may be just trying to get some laps in too, and probably just try to clear his head after a rough weekend. Uh, I don't think where he's riding is is anywhere near the goal. So if yeah. he can ride and the shoulder's not holding him back at this point, he's probably just trying to get back to speed. Yeah. Uh, Reed did not look good all day. I- I've been waiting for him to get a little better. He's been riding during the weeks. Now, he had a bike problem in the main event, but his l- practice times were never good. His heat race wasn't good. He had to go to the LCQ, which he did not win. And like I said, bike problem in the main event had him stopping in the mechanics area. But, man, Weege, you thought you'd see a little better Chad Reed than usual. Yeah, I'm not yeah saying- I went over to the truck for the first time to talk to uh, Goose uh, for a little bit. Yeah, and they thought there was some progress just because – He's actually able to ride during the week now, which he wasn't. But the uh, only thing I've seen is I feel like early in some of the practices, he does try for the first few laps. I don't know if that's just to make sure he gets the time on the board, but even that's not working because he was, I yeah. believe, as uh, one of his crew members kept reminding us, he wasn't even in the top 40 after the first practice, I think, if that was true. Yeah, I don't know if it was true or if it was – Or if that was right. uh, over-exaggeration. Right. But, uh, yeah, and, and this time he went to the LCQ not because of the Triple Crown uh, you know, lap time format to get into the top 18, but because he just didn't make it out of the heat, which normally he can always just make that happen. So, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, Benny Bloss, JT, crashed, had to go to the LCQ. He had a bike problem, it looks like, at some point, twisted his bike up or something. Not a, not uh, yeah, he, got, he got knocked out of the way <clears throat> by Seeley. Seely, yeah. It yeah. wasn't like anything super violent, but it definitely put him out of, you know, yeah. he kind of rode, knocked him out of his rut, and then the bike stalled. Uh, so he didn't qualify, and then, uh, yeah, he kind of moved up past Reedy, past lots of people in the LCQ and won that. Uh, and then the main event obviously went sideways again. So mm-hmm. things haven't gone to plan for Benny at all in 2018. No, no. Some, there was some hype with Benny coming into the season. There was some hype. Yeah, I think he's fast during the week. I think that's yeah. where your hype comes in, you know. Uh, practice track stuff, he goes really, really fast. So I don't know if that's ever going to translate or or what, um, but I think that's where, you know, you're not only 
the, the team he's on, but other people as well. I think that's how the word gets out. Is he just he has a lot of speed, and I think that's why he's on the has the ride he has. And uh, I do know that he, he needs to show it. You know, the, the way this sport is, and as competitive as the 450 class is, to get a factory KTM Webel ride like that, uh, you got to do it. You know, and he can, but he's got to do better than he's doing now. Weimer came back, made a season debut. I asked him if he was regretting it. 15 minutes in, he said more like three laps in. So, but I mean, you just gotta, you just gotta, just you know, get time on the track and everything. So, um, he'll get better. Bogle came back too. I didn't really notice him all that much with each, but again, like Weimer, you just it's hard to jump in. And here you go, kid, get some laps in and get better. Yeah, yeah, Bogle did not look uh, very good, and he was on the bubble there almost in the heat race. So it was good that the, both of those guys were able to just get it in. But um, I worry more about, you know, it's whatever. There's a lot of races left. You just worry more, are they so far behind, and then the gains they have to make during the week, which are tough, is that you can just set them behind the eight ball for practically the entire season. Does it almost become a lost season yeah. or not? That's the bigger worry. Yep. Man, I just uh, – Sealy, bro. What about Sealy? Yeah, that's bizarre. Well, he said he got he said he had a big one in the sand. Yep. And then he knocked the wind out of him and could never get it back. But he got yeah. up to 8th and was looking good and then he ends up 12th. And he was in the first lap of the first lap he was 14th. So all that work he got two spots. So. There was a lap or two where we were like, good God, look how good Sealy's going. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, he maybe was faster than anybody out there. And uh, he got to, he got right behind Anderson. And I'm like, this is going to be interesting. If Anderson loses another spot, and from Sealy, who started way back, yeah. then Anderson made one pass. I don't remember who he got in between them. Maybe it was Grant or, or, or Brayton, maybe. And then Anderson started going forward, and Sealy started going backwards, and they ended up about as far apart as they started the race. Yeah. You just don't see this. No. Track again? Should yeah, we just say the track just again? Track, be the track, track, yeah. track, bro. <laughs> Why don't we have 17 rounds of Glendale? 21 minutes on a track that difficult? A long time. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, it would. Uh, it was an up and down uh, race for Sealy for sure. I just love the way this series is going. I mean, Sealy went from. You know, nearly won last week, and I don't think it was like, oh, my God, Sealy could win. Like, we all know he's good. And then a couple things happen, and he gets a 12th. Like, we really have that parity uh, that everybody always wants and we very rarely get. I know Tomac's won two in a row, but they haven't been dominant. He only won one of the mains last week, and Barsha and Roxon gave him a run this time. So it's really, really fun right now. You know what's fun, Weege, is seeing Freeze just wear fly gear. Just Vince Freeze <laughs> stepping into fly gear seamlessly, <laughs> looking like adding another fly athlete out there to the to the mix. Just. You know when you look back on you look back on your life, and there are milestones of when like yep that was a that was a big step forward for me, you know mentally, maybe spiritually. You know I really I became a better person. Uh, I, I feel like that was this week for me. I. Uh, Oh. Our pro athlete manager, Max Steffens, came in and said, hey, I have this opportunity, but uh, I'm prepared to say no I, when I talk to you. So you tell me what we're going to do, and, and we'll proceed. And I sat back, and I remembered all the all the bad times that we've had. The wrenches uh, thrown, the fist fights, yeah, the storming you know, in, into in the a movie, in a In a movie, there would have been music set to it, right. and all these flashbacks of anger and violence and yelling and me laying on the ground, picking my bike up yet again. Um, and then I thought, you know what? He's, he's 
hasn't been doing anything crazy. He's really he rides well. He gets good starts. He, you can tell he's trying to keep it clean out there, like he's trying to ride the way everyone else does. And I said, you know what, I, I'm, I'm a big enough man to say that I, I can totally appreciate his efforts. And, yeah, that's a great opportunity for, for our brand to be associated with a rider like him, and I think he's doing it right. So, um, yeah, I felt good about it. I, I feel good about it moving forward. Marsha and Mathis, Freeze and Thomas. What's next? Uh, Wygant and, and Shaheen? Big. Ralph Ralph and I are always good, bro. We even saw each other at the elevator. You know that. I'm kidding. Ralph Ralph was very upset, unable to go to find someone to go to the L.A. Guns concert with him on Friday night. (laughs) He he said he could not go to the L.A. Guns concert. I don't even know what that is. (laughs) They're a mid-'80s heavy metal band that was around for two, 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 three years for most people, but for Ralph, it's 20. It's the poor man's Guns N' Roses. They I've actually, literally never heard of them. When Vince Neil got kicked out of Motley Crue, they took the lead singer of L.A. Guns for that one disc. <laughs> Remember Hooligans Don't Holiday? Velvet Revolver? No, no. Okay. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a time for uh, peace. It's a time for changing of the ways. And Vince Freeze is now a fly athlete, everybody. We are the change we want to see in the world, Steve. Yeah, we are. Um all right, so what else? Uh, 450 wise, anything else? Did we? T- this is the third time we tried to do this. Did we talk about the net? Very beginning of the show, we did, right? I, uh, I think that made the cut. Did that make the cut? I think that made. I think it made, yeah, the, it cut. made the cut. Yeah, Colt Neck yeah. into the nets. Right. Yeah, because you thought you thought that the the nets may have been worse. But no, Wygant did. Wygant did. Yeah. Wygant. Extreme whiplash. Extreme whiplash. <laughs> Hasn't even checked on him. Did he said? Yeah, what he's is, fine. His... He's fine. He's coming on the Pulp and Mech show to, to discuss. His thoughts on getting caught in the net. <laughs> okay. And again, remember, rider safety was always my number one priority. It was always my number one priority. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, thanks to Fly Racing for uh, making this podcast happen, and uh, Alpine Stars and Max's Tires as well. Let's take a commercial break here. Uh, listen to this commercial from Racetech. Use the code PULPAMEX18 to save with them. And we'll be right back to talk some 250s and a controversial move in the main event. Race Tech suspension and engines, people. Pulpamex 18 is the code to save. Breaking through the limitations of OEM designs, Race Tech specializing in high performance suspension, parts, service, and setups, modifying stock suspension components to perform at the highest level. Discover why more top privateers trust Race Tech, guys like the HEP Suzuki team, and many more in the pits use Race Tech for their suspension and engines mods. Pulpamex 18, you can save using the code. Please check them out, racetech.com. Do it. Maxxis Tires. From your bike to your truck and almost everything with wheels in between, Maxxis Tires will have you hooking up, pulling the whole shot, and beating your competition. One of the world's most trusted tire brands, Maxxis delivers high-quality tire products that perform no matter what the terrain or conditions. If you don't believe me, just ask the king, Jeremy McGrath. And we're back! Fly Racing. Please check them out, flyracing.com. Justin Brayton wears Fly Racing and he wins heat races, everybody. So it's that, it's that simple. And, he uh, looks so good. <laughs> all right, easy. And also, too, thanks to Maxxis Tires as well. Uh, brand new MXST tire coming, developed by the king, Jeremy McGrath. And uh, Alpine Stars, 
Tech 10s as well. Please check out Tech 10s, Tech 8s, Tech 7s, uh, the name that you can trust and uh, a terrific brand over the years. I'm still impressed by my tour of the A-Stars factory in Italy. And Justin Barsha wears Alpine Star gears, everybody. Justin Barsha. All right. Uh, so, Plessinger won. Uh, he wrote fantastic to come through the pack a little bit, catch McElrath who, uh, and Savacci, and then he made a move that I asked him in the press conference. I'm like, he said uh, something like, uh, yeah, I kind of moved over on him. I'm like, did you see the video? And he's like, no. And I'm like, it's bad. I told him it's bad. Um, it wasn't that cool of a move. I think McElrath was pissed. It, they talked it out. And Plessinger gets a bit of a pass because he's not that type of guy. But I'll start with you, JT. I don't know how much times, how many times you watched it, but it yep. was a little sketchy. It was. Uh, I watched it a few times just online. Um, <clears throat> I've seen some really sketchy moves over the years. Most of them involving Vince Freezy that we just, <laughs> Which we just, we just covered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, this wasn't. I didn't think it was as bad as it could have been. Um, it wasn't midair that he moved over, which I think is a really, really important fact of this. It wasn't great, there's no doubt about it. He definitely moved over, um, but I've seen worse. So he apologized. You know, I think uh, I think that Shane had a right to be mad. Uh, he obviously it was like the worst case scenario where he started swapping back and forth. So it, visually, it looked a lot worse than it could have been. Oh, McElrath was close to to going down. Yeah, I think yeah. so. But it, it, I think that was not typical. The way he swapped like that usually is not going to happen. Um, yeah, it wasn't wasn't great, but I, you know, some of the reactions I've seen online and social media and stuff, I I wow. would David, disagree with. David Pingree needs to calm down. He needs to calm. Down. Yeah, that would be that would be the one I would go, right. through, go so, to immediately. Um, it, yeah, I thought that was a bit overboard. It wasn't great. It wasn't a good move. No. I think everybody agrees on that. I think Aaron would agree with that. Yep. Um, but you know, nobody crashed. Everybody moved on. It wasn't cross jumping. I, I would say it was less less offensive than most of the cross jumping I've ever seen. Um. And props to McElrath for saying that's not the reason he won. Like, he didn't go on and be like, I would have won. Like, you know. No, he, no, no, no. He was Plessinger like, hey. was the guy. He was like, hey, yeah, he was riding really well, and that's not the difference in the race. I wasn't happy about it. You know, we talked about it, blah, blah, blah. But McElrath handled it very classy, I thought, and uh, in, in, in Shane's usual manner. So what's your take on the whole incident, Wygant? There's no doubt the move was super dirty, and McElrath could have really – gotten jacked up there uh i mean he saved it what three times swapping well, hold, hold on you just said super dirty jt said i didn't get the sense jt would use the word super dirty did i say super yeah dirty? i I, oh. I think i think cross jumping is worse than that because you have nowhere to go when you're when you're in the air already it wasn't good it was there was definitely intent there like i i would never condone that move but i would think cross jumping is is worse than that I did not realize I said super dirty. You said super dirty. I, I, yeah. I did. You did. Okay. No, I, I, I thought I said it, it was dirty, but I don't think – the only thing we can say is, and this is where Pingree is losing his mind, is he's saying it reeked of a desperate move. I think it was a miscalculation on the point of Plessinger, thinking he had more room than he did and didn't think it was going to look that bad. You know, probably thinking, I'm going to cover the line, but I don't think we're going to hit, and then they actually did. I don't think it was Plessinger saying – I've got to try to kill this guy. Yes, no. To hold on to the lead. No, no. So, I don't know. To me, I give you, don't you give somebody a little bit of a mulligan when it's a misjudgment as opposed to uh, intent to kill? 
and I think that's why even McElrath um, felt that way. I, I think he just miscalculated. He didn't try to kill him. I don't think he tried to kill him. He tried to squeeze him there so he couldn't get back up the inside. Uh, right. I just think it got, away, it got away from him a little bit. Yeah, exactly. He miscalculated a bit. I don't think when you say things like desperate move, which is what Ping is saying, it makes it sound like I've got to try to do something desperate in order to beat this guy. Yeah. Which no, he, he was going to win anyway, and I think McElrath even knew that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Plessinger's got the red plate again. Yeah. Yeah. With the way he's won these two races, the two that he's won, can we start saying that he's the fastest guy? That doesn't mean he's going to win the title. Well, go back to the preseason thing. I know. You think he could be double champion? I do. He's that good, dude. Well, yeah. He is that good. Yeah. What about Amart? I thought you said Amart was better than him. <laughs> because I keep... Amart <laughs> will beat him in consistency because Plessinger keeps How making... How can you beat the... him in consistency if you're double, if you're double champ? This... Okay, I'm going to back this up. Plessinger is very is more talented than Alex Martin. He can go very, very fast at times. And if he ever figures it out, which I've said over and over, he can be a double-class champion. I don't know if this is figuring it out, but he certainly his two wins have been pretty dominant. So I don't know. To, he, to quote you exactly from last year, you said Alex Martin is on a different level than Aaron Plessinger. Yeah, because I just didn't feel like Aaron could hold it together for 24 motos. Okay. That's, that's, and I was proven right, by the way. And since then, Alex Martin has been hurt both series he's been in. I, I was proven right. Um, I, I just, I don't know. If this is, maybe this is it. Maybe the switch is flipped. He's expecting a kid. You're proven right. Plessinger beat, it, beat Alex oh, in the series. Oh, stop it. Didn't, didn't he? No, he didn't. Yeah. Not in my eyes. What? <laughs> your own personal points. Uh, yeah, I have my own personal point standings, and Amart was 70 points ahead of him or something when he got hurt. Okay, so yeah, maybe this is it. Maybe the switch is flipped, and Plessinger can, you know, is it going to be a dad, and, and he's older, of course, and like Barsha or something? I don't know, but I, I, I think my title pick of AC, though, I, I'm waffling a little bit on that. I might flip it over to, to the 23. And then there's McElrath, who's just so consistent and so fast that maybe we're still not all giving him enough credit, you know? But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, what do you guys think? Who wins this title, Weech? There's definitely been some shitting on Shane going on. Yep. Um, he's really good, man. He's really good. I mean, I know Plessinger just beat him. I know that the move is what's talked about, but he was straight up faster. But uh, Plessinger, man, I, I, we still don't know for sure. I, I think McElrath... I don't think there's many flaws there, so maybe you take that in a short series. I'm going. I'm going with the starts, and that's McElrath. That's, I think that's going to be the difference. Yeah, that's not, not a bad, not a bad reasoning for sure. Because Shane is almost always up there. I was talking to a guy from a uh, prominent sponsor in the industry. Um, it's a drink you can drink. Um, it has a color and a uh, cow type animal mm, that's named nope. after. No, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, not a mule, you know, whatever. And uh, just talking about, you know, what moves they might make in the future. And it is funny. Shit on Shane, he gets so disrespected that – have you heard anyone say, like, well, KTM's got him in the wings? No. You don't, no, no, no one said that. No one has said that. No one has said that. Where meanwhile, we were already discussing in the press box this weekend, like, what does Cowie do with Savachi and AC in the future? 
Meanwhile, Shane is proving time and time again to basically be the equal, but no one no, thinks of yeah, it that no. way. No, you're right. You're right. Um, you you can't really say. Well, yeah, they're 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 a step ahead of him. Not really. Nope. Yeah. Um, hey, Savachi's race. I'm confused, and I wrote this in my column that'll come out on Wednesday on RacerX Online. I'm confused about Savachi's race, JT, just because. Okay, knocks himself silly in the heat race in the whoops. Bad. Wins the LCQ. Good. Gets the whole shot from the outside. Good. Gets caught and passed by the two guys. Bad. Then loses his front end all by himself, and AC passes him. That's bad. I, I, I have a mixed, mixed emotions about Savachi's night. And maybe... Bad. It's all bad. It's all bad. Yep. Okay. Yeah, crashing in the heat, going to the LCQ, going backwards in the main event from a whole shot. That's all bad. Okay. <laughs> Moving yeah. on then. <laughs> well, and I guess to back that up, it it was worse because of the whole shot. Like, the whole shot should be like, wow, that's awesome. But I think it only highlighted the bad even more. Okay. Yeah, we saw we saw um, his front end wash was Joey Savacci 2017. All over. Yeah, just the old, the, uh, the old slide catch, then high side. Um... AC, bad start, got third. Well, he's, he's bad start meaning fifth. He was fifth or something first lap. So it is what it is. He's been talking about his starts a lot. I didn't realize this was a trend. His starts have been terrible. That's the way he's at least acting. Yeah. I didn't feel that way, but he's really mad at himself he's, over the start. Okay, he, when is that video going up that you did with him? Well, why are you so concerned? Like, we've got five days in this week. Because I want to watch it. I want to see what he said. I want, he's funny. He's a good interview. I want to see. Wow, you just can't get enough AC. No, I can't. Do you want me to just send you the file right now? Or are you to, wow. to, to you be content? You got can't it. Wait. Calm down. Wow. Okay, so AC's got 77 points. Plessinger's got 92. He was myself and Jason Wygant's pick for the title. Mm-hmm. Are you staying on this horse, Weege, or are you jumping off? I don't think he's the most likely, but he's definitely not out of it. No, no, I'm not saying that. No. For, for you. Yep. I try not to, to change. Like, yes, if I could start today, I'd probably put my money on McElrath, but I don't like doing that. So okay. I'm going to pick what I picked. Um, Sexton fifth, kind of a lonely race for him a little bit. Uh, Taft sixth. Hill said he had no clutch uh, on social media. So his seventh, like maybe we won't turn the panic button on because he came from 11th to 7th with no clutch. So it was probably maybe one of the better rides from Hill we've seen. Well, in practice, you could tell he was a lot better than the previous two races. He yep. just looked better. I'm not sure what the hell is going on with these starts. Uh, I know the first thing everybody's saying, the bike's slow. No, but first no, of all, no. why is he always picking the very inside gate? He's done that in almost every main event this year. Because he knows his What's bike. going to do, sweep around the outside of him with the slower bike? Yeah, he knows his bike is not up to par, so he wants to get the straightest shot. The, is the very inside? He has to pick the that gate? Wow. I don't know. Remember uh, Anaheim one when we determined that he started next to the guy with the 15th gate pick? Yeah. He had a better one. I don't know what. The starts are so bad. There was He was putting down the line in the heat race. Like, everybody edged ahead of him, so he was just cruising, like waiting to tuck into the inside. Was it Villeman that put the uh, video yeah. on Twitter of somebody just getting three bike lengths out of him, 50 feet out of the gate? It looked like he I mean, come bad. on, the bike can't be that slow. No, it's not. It's not. That's like 15 horsepower right there. That's It can't be that slow. I don't know what the problem is, but, man, the starts are atrociously bad. Unbelievable. Um, 
Boise was riding okay. I mean, Houston was just it was unbelievably bad. So I'll I'll take that. You know, right. I'll take that kind yeah. of ride. Even if he doesn't do great, at least you know his team and his sponsors can be like, well, he looks good out there. You know, like he's trying hard. Houston, he didn't even look like he was trying. Uh, Harrison rode a good eighth, best finish of the year, I think, for Mitchell. So, Stayed off the ground, which yeah. is key. Chisholm got another good start. That's two two in a row for him on the starts. Uh, got ninth. Craig got. He said he got taken out. Did anybody see that? Did anybody know what he's talking about? Didn't see it. Weege? No, he said taken out by Hill, but I don't know what happened. Oh, oh he did say Hill. Okay, I didn't. I missed that. Yeah, part. Yeah. yeah. So he was. I way talked back. to the Geico Honda uh, PR person. Oh, you did. Okay. All yes. Right. Perfect. Got that exclusive uh, scoop. Yeah. Good job mm-hmm. on that. Really, yep. really tough one. Um, mm-hmm. So he came through. He got tenth. Phil was seventh, eighth, battling with Hill. Where we made a ton of jokes about the disparity of uh, salaries between them, over and over, and then uh, Hill got Phil, and then Phil crashed, and then he said he fell apart after that, quote unquote. I fell apart. Um, Mel Ross was dead, dead last, all the way to fourteenth. Another rough one for Heft. Oldenburg, I feel I'm going to steal uh, my exact quote off for Oldenburg off of my column. I feel like I bought a bunch of Oldenburg stock. And times are rough, but I ain't selling. I'm not selling. It's going to pay off. It's coming. Weege? No, I agree. He's taking out, I, right? Yeah. He's going to be good. Every result's going to come. Well, we saw him in the TLD truck, so maybe he had a concussion. <laughs> he was. I think AC took him out, I believe. He was hanging. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. he knocked him in the sand. Yeah, that, before the yeah. sand. Yeah. Yep. Uh, um, he, but no, he crashed again after that, for sure. He only lost one spot. Uh, or two spots from that, uh, and then later on he was way back. I think he crashed into whoops. Yeah, I don't know. It'll pay off though. I'm not selling it, so don't even try. <laughs> no, he's. It's gonna come together. I don't know what yeah. what uh, what details are needed. He's in the hunt. Uh, what else? Anything else, boys? From uh, Glendale. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like yesterday I had a lot. I feel like it's all gone. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we had more. You nailed it. You nailed this whole race in a nutshell. Can we just bottle Glendale and roll it out every Saturday? Yep. Yep. Just do it. That was so much better. Like I left Anaheim too. So disappointed in the track. I love the format. Don't get me wrong, but the track it was just so terrible. Like I don't understand how it can be so bad. And then the next week, so good. And, and I was telling uh, my VIP guys, and then I was telling just friends in the race and, and you guys and whatever, you know, and I'm two was like a, a two on a scale of one to ten, and then, or like difficulty as well. And then Glendale was like a nine and 9.5. Can we just have like an eight every week? Like, I don't feel like it's that difficult. Like, I, I know it's possible. You have enough smart people around. I mean, I walked the track at Anaheim two, and I was like, well, this is going to suck. I mean, it was it was so apparent. It's not that difficult, and I don't know if that's you know Trey. That's something that Trey Canard can help with, uh, but I, it's needed. It's really needed. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know either. I don't know how they roll that. So I don't know how I don't know how millions of dollars are spent by the teams and the riders to to contest this series, and you have an inside gate that takes you into a hay bale three feet out of the gate. Yeah, I don't know how that happens. I don't know how the whoops get knocked down. I don't know how somebody designs a track like that. 
I don't know how any of that goes on. Well, it, it's bad to me when you when guy, everybody's walking the track and everyone's already just like, well, this is going to not be good. You know, I, like I don't know nobody's how, even ridden it yet, and everyone's already just shaking their head. I don't know how you change a sand section in between two time practices and make one pra- yeah. time practice totally irrelevant. Yeah, that was bad. That was really Why bad. Why do you do that? Why would you ever do that? Do the do the uh, guys in NASCAR weech? I don't follow NASCAR that much, but um, do does NASCAR add a chicane in uh, in, in Bristol <laughs> in between practices? No, they don't. But I will. In, in the track builder's defense, there, we're basically saying, "Oh man, the track made the racing so much better." So I think if they see a section in practice and say, "Man, we can probably make this section allow for better racing," I think it's really hard for them to sit there and be like, "Nope, but we can't." No, you do it after the, first, in the afternoon. Yeah. And we got five hours, but we are not allowed. Yeah, first practice sessions. After the first yeah. practice sessions, you're allowed to go out and make changes. Do all the changes you want. You've yep. seen. You've seen. You've seen six sessions. Make your changes. Well, and, and after track walk, you, there's a half an hour after chapel service, and you could even do it during some of that stuff. There's a half an hour before anybody hits the track, and I guarantee you that there are things that the smart riders, not not me, but the guys that are relevant, Tomac and these these elite superstar guys, the best we, minds we have as far as racing, they can tell you, like, that's not going to work, that section. Perfect example, okay? Even this weekend, as much as we love the track, Coming out of the first turn, the first thing, it's the first section I get to after walking down the start straight, and you go out of the turn, and there's just basically a little roller, and then you jump. Everyone was jumping over a tabletop. Well, on the left side of that tabletop, there was a lip to jump off. So you could go left and jump on, jump off. It was the most useless obstacle I've I've seen in a long time. And I heard someone someone was saying that there was a transponder or something in that lip so they couldn't knock it down. I don't know whether that's true, but I do know that that was a waste of eight feet of racetrack. Nobody went there. Nobody no. went there. No, and I, I, it was the first thing I saw, and it was the first thing I said, and I'm not even that smart, and I could see it the first thing. So get, you know, get Trey, get whoever, and say, like, what do we need to change? We got, we got half an hour. Like, is there anything glaring here that we need to fix that's going to be one-lined and going to take away from the overall presentation? I think there is, like, just like you said, after the first round, in that 30-minute window after chapel, there are time windows where we can make changes, and, and I don't see it happening all that often. And I think it's, I think it's just detracting from what the, the, the racing and the presentation we have to offer. We don't really have to. I wish I could say I knew that down on track walk. I wish I could say that I knew any of that. I hear you, yep. but it was just it was one of those things where it was just so glaringly obvious to anyone who has seen this, anyone who's been around it a lot, like yep. we have. It was just obvious. Uh, press conference was fun. I don't normally, I don't always go to them, but this one was fun because Barcher started saying, "Well, Eli knows how I ride," and well, um, uh, Roxon kind of knows how I ride. And then he's like, "Well, truthfully, everybody kind of knows how I used to ride." It was, it was actually <laughs> yeah. pretty funny. He was yeah. he was naming guys that kind of knew how he used to ride, and then he got to the point where he's like, "Well, pretty much everybody." It's, <laughs> That's it. It's pretty good. The room was laughing really hard at that. And then, because Tomac and Roxanne were laughing too. And then then he said, and then Marvin got my way when I was doing my fast lap today. And I yelled at him too much. I yelled at him too much. Yeah. He was in the main line rolling in the main line in practice, but still I yelled at him too much. Like he's trying so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Trying so hard. Pretty good. Um, Hey, you know what's funny on these tracks? I just want to say this. The tracks are such a topic that gets discussed. 
so much by us, fans, all these callers to your janky radio show and all this. It's just a constant topic. If we want to know about bikes or riders or teams or all this stuff, the info's out there. We know who to go to. We know who to talk to. We might say that the teams are too secretive and the riders don't want to tell you when they're hurt, but they're fairly open. They even hold a press conference every week so you can find out. Isn't it amazing that the track, which is such a hot topic, literally no one in the industry, I don't even mean just media, anyone, has any answers ever for any of these things. It's just theories. We don't even know. It's like the, it's like uh, God built the track and it happened, who knows, and there's arguments over evolution and uh, intelligent design. No one knows. No yeah. one knows. I mean, I, I know from speaking to riders that have been frustrated at times, they get met with just, just you know, resistance. Just They complain to guys and sometimes they're just to- like, whatever, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. and Because everyone is a little biased. If you're a track builder, Looking at their point of view, everyone's a little biased. Chad back in the day is like, yeah, build these was huge. Ricky's like, forget it. You know, Stu's like, hey, put a, put a quad everywhere. And other guys are like, hey, forget it. You know, so they, they probably feel like they're beat up all the time by the media and the riders. And, and so I think they're now have their backup, like some porcupines, and they don't want to be talk. They don't want to talk to anybody about it. So. But the key term there is they. Who is they? Like, we know if we want info on Roxon. We know who to go to. There's Kenny or a mechanic or the Honda people or, yeah. you know, there's various people. Yeah. But we have no clue. Who is the they? Uh, a guy named Chip, I think. Or, or Chick or Chip. JT? I don't know what that yeah, means. I think, you're, I think you're summing it up right there. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's just every week it's a I, topic and a theory, and no one on earth is ever able to get an answer. I don't even mean that they're stonewalling. It's like we just don't even know. It's the same with I, I. I don't think Rich Rickler's been around for a while. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard that. But for all we know, the track guys have completely, like that transponder thing being buried. There might be completely reasons that I don't want to say rational because when the tracks are bad, they're bad. But there might be legitimate things they have to work around that we don't know, and instead they're just getting beat on. Yeah. But I wouldn't even know how to get that answer. Like, who's in charge? Flowchart. Where's the flowchart? JT, where's the flowchart? Um, I don't think there is one. I think it's just basically it's vertical. I think it's just two. One, basically what he felt, and then that's how it goes. Yeah. Like if I, don't I were a who, league, I don't even know who would be in charge of that. If, if you were a league, if this were the NFL, this theory that the whoops were cut down so Marvin and Eli could salvage some points, that would be a massive controversy. It would be all week of sports radio. A rule was tweaked to help a certain team or athlete. Massive controversy. Now, the league would try to do their best to get out front of that and say, this is not true. This is why we did this. We want everyone to know. We want you to see transparency so you don't think we're shady. Ah, nope. We just talked about it for now seven days, and it just no answer. We have no idea who would even I mean, knock the whoops down well, or yeah, why. I mean, but it goes to the modifying in between practice sessions, and it goes to the gate. Three feet out of the gate, you hit a tough block. Like, uh, how does this stuff happen? Does nobody seem to care? Does nobody complain? Does nobody teams and riders? We don't know. Yeah, no, I don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We, we there don't could know. be, a, like I'm saying, there could actually be a reason for it, but we don't even know what the reason is. Well, the reason for the tough block is just they they design the start and then put the gate in. And they're like, oops, that's how that happens. Yeah, yeah, but it would be good to have that answer sometimes. Look, we, we go through this whole thing where we're like, Tomac crashed at Anaheim 1. Was it mental, or is it just they're riding in the edge and things happen? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, things happen. Red plates are heavy. 
Red plate, I mean, there's just a million theories, but at least there is people you can ask, and a rider could say, no, the red plate had nothing to do with it. You can at least ask him. We'll figure we, it out. I don't know if we're not doing our job or what, but no one knows. We'll figure it out. Online editor? I, I, maybe we need to. Be like, service. look, look, Prater, Feld, we don't want to bash on you guys. It might not even be your fault. So help us help you, you know, well, defend yourselves. Barsha and I definitely me. don't think it's Prater and Gendro's fault. I just think that there's not enough thought being put into it from the track crew. I don't think Prater and Gendro are like, yeah, track looks sweet, guys. You know, I don't think they get – I think they have bigger fish to fry than that. But, well, that's my point. I feel like it all eventually just points to Feld, and they might say it's not really our fault, but, but we need to at least get that explanation. But, I'm but, just looking for people to, to – okay, well, all but, we do is bash, and I want them to be able to say their side. But JT's right. point about the, the table out of the first turn, I mean, that's – no, no, everyone knew that. Everyone knew that was dumb. I guarantee you. Again, I, I don't know. I didn't walk the track, but I guarantee every rider that walked over there went, well, you're going to come out of the turn. You're going to be carrying momentum on the throttle. You're going to drift to the right side. You're going to go over top of this table uh, because it's so hard and slow to go to the left. Like, <laughs> it, it's not only slower, it's also going to be hard to set up to go so left. Uh, well, you know, I walked the track, and if you went – slow through the turn to get back left and then you jumped on, jumped off the direction that it sent you, you landed on tough walks. And that's what the first guy in the first practice on the second lap did. He jumped, stepped off, landed on tough walks, flipped over the bars. Just like that. <laughs> yeah, because oh, so there, there was a bend in the, in the straightaway. There's supposed yeah, to, you jumped off the track. There was supposed to be a bend in the start straight via the track map, but instead the bend was in the next rhythm lane for some God knows reason. So... I don't know. It's Right. And my point is they might have said, look, when the pyro guys showed up, they said they had to have five feet of room or they'll catch dirt or a tough block on fire, and we had to move it. There might be totally – I'm not saying rational or great, but there might at least there might be a reason. Cooper Webb struggling this year. Hey, I shouldn't have said it, but I messed up my ankle in the offseason. It's kind of thrown me back. There is an answer. Okay. There All might right. be an answer just like that. Well, good. We'll never know. Never well, know. Get on it, Wygant. This is. I don't, have there ever been answers like this in the history? Uh, we did an interview with Rich Winkler a few years ago, and he just. There's, he's never giving much data. Well, there you go. That's, the, that's what you're going to get. So. Um, yeah. When Steve Whitelock was in charge, there was no doubt. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant man that he was. Brilliant. I mean, the buck was definitely stopping with him. That much you could not deny. Brilliant man. Let's call, let's call Supercross the Supercross class. Let's, let's do that. Seriously, how dumb was that? How dumb was that? It's true. So I raced Supercross at the Supercross. What? What do you mean? I'm going to Supercross to race Super... What? You're... Yes, the Supercross class. The Supercross class yeah. at a Supercross? Mm-hmm. Oh, God, dude. Yeah. Um, all right. Glendale, we love it. We, we, we loved most of it. We hated some of it. Tomac's on a roll. Brayton's awesome. What else? He raced you, are you are you officially sticking to your guns on this title's over? I'll take forty four years of uh, Supercross That's experience. You take your your percent. I mean, is it one hundred percent sure that he uh, he he doesn't have to get this title? No, because is is it one hundred percent sure that I'm not going to get struck by lightning? No, I can't say that for sure. That's where I'm at. Will I get struck by a train today? Probably not, but there is a chance 
Because after this, I have to cross some tracks to go grab lunch. I think that's a bit drastic of a comparison, but okay. <laughs> All right, okay. So, believe me. It's only, what, 34? 36. You know? 36. 36. That's a lot less than it was. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> In two weeks. Went from basically, what, 50? That's a lot less than it was because Stone Cold says so. <laughs> two weeks, and Anderson didn't even have bad races. Right. Went from 50 to 36 in two weeks, and Anderson got a third and a fourth. Didn't right. wad up, didn't crash, didn't hurt his ankle. Two weeks. It's all, F- took. all right, Fly Racing, Racer X Podcast, Jason Wygant, Jason Thomas. Also, thanks to the folks at Maxis and uh, Alpine Stars as well. Weech, do you want to send us off with your Stone Cold uh, prediction there at the end? No, I, dude, you're, you're stating your own case. I just you, I like you're stating your own case. I, like I, don't, you I don't need to add any. You ain't got to build with Stone Cold, brother. All right, thanks, yeah. boys. See ya. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as the Bad Boy Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck because that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And Miguel was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? And and he's got the thing. He's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't been, you know, if if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like being a dead horse, you know. And I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My my ego got in the way, you know. The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you sit there, you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. 
Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey, 